Welcome back, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Happy spring. Spring break, maybe, for some of you. No, but it's like just spring in general. Yeah. When's spring the first time. day of spring? The 21st. I honestly don't know. Happy spring, spring. <laughs> happy almost spring. Happy spring break. Happy after spring break. Whenever you decide to listen yeah. to this. We are post spring break. Yes. It was a wonderful week. It was. Spent time with Anna in LA. Mm-hmm. Ate lots of delicious food. Too saw much delicious food. Beaches. It was a good time. It was a fantastic time. So thank you. Shout out to Anna for hosting us. Yes. Thank you. It was so great. I just, I, we sat in the steam room and I just zenned out and said, oh, you know yeah. what? This is what's going to get me through the rest the of next, the school year. The next, <laughs> what did we say? Ten nine weeks? Nine, nine weeks. weeks. With a little eight full weeks, and then we have a week that has one full day and then four half days. <laughs> so, like, eight weeks, yeah. basically. And then we graduate soon. We ca- yeah, what? Seven, Seven weeks? weeks? The countdown is on. It, the countdown begins now. It's such an exciting time. <laughs> well, hopefully you're listening to this somewhere magical. <laughs> if you're not, if not, I hope your spring it. break was <laughs> also great. Um, but yeah, we're ready to jump back into mm-hmm. mathematics today. We are going to jump in. So I read a book. It's called Mathematics for Human Flourishing um, by Francis Sue, I believe is how you say it. Um, it was recommended by several people at work. Um, so I'm pretty excited about it. It's a. am only going to do a few chapters just because it is um, a longer one. Um, but before we jump into that, we kind of just wanted to throw it out there to you all that if you have any teacher tales, please, please, please email them to us. We really would love to record another teacher tale episode and we need some more tales. So. We do. And we have some really great ones, like really anything funny, inspirational. I know. I feel like spooky. if you're listening, even if you know us, or whatever it might be, just send in whatever. It doesn't even have to be a story. It could be a um, quote. It could be anything fun and exciting in the classroom or outside of the classroom. Outside of the classroom. Anything that you've seen, because I know that you all see some crazy things every day. So speaking of crazy things, yeah, what a good tangent. Okay, we are in the works of a giveaway. Oh my gosh, we are. That is on the book. So be looking on instagram at mm. teachers underscore talk underscore podcast yep. for details that are coming your way yeah we're gonna do that the day that this posts i believe yep right? yeah so Should be. and then also make sure you're sending you can send your teacher tales to our instagram dm but you can also send them to our email at teachers talk pod at gmail.com so or text it to us whatever you want yeah or if you know us and you have our phone number text it to us literally anything you want and just tell us if you want to be named yes please do mention that because if we if you don't tell us then we won't name you so correct yeah all right so do you want to jump in it's your day it's me i'm so excited to sit i know i feel like because yours was two episodes, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and, I and have, will like, be the more next section ready. <laughs> yep. So, Naturally. so this is a good one. Um, I feel like we've been kind of involved, not involved, but a lot of our episodes have revolved around like parenting more mm-hmm. so because we did our um, gentle discipline, and then we also did love languages, which I feel like obviously relates to teaching but it was more specific to parenting um so this one i'm kind of excited because it kind of goes back into edumacation edumacation is and mathematics at that yes and so always like in my opinion because i struggled with math mm -hmm. my basically whole life and we'll get into that as well too because that's something that that needs to change yeah um so again this book is mathematics for human flourishing by francis sue um i'll just start with kind of a quote that that they posted yes question nope just closing the window cool (laughs) our window was open so we gotta close it um we have doggy partners today yes they have been non-stop attached to my side (laughs) since returning home which i'm not mad about by any means no but they are definitely they're needy. Like, they've definitely learned needy from me. Yes. <laughs> they take after their mama. So if we pause but. at any given moment, <laughs> yeah. it's because of that. <laughs> I'm so sorry in advance. <laughs> so right, let's get into it. So 
Um, this quote just kind of explains why he wrote the book. So this is a human book that grounds mathematics and what it means to be a human being and to live a more fully human life. So hmm. I just thought that was good. That was, I don't know where that was this in the book. This is a human book that it's grounds a human mathematics book. and what it means to be a human being. Mm-hmm. We'll get into it. I'm really, I'm very curious now. We will get into it. That sounds intriguing. Yes. So I'm grabbing my book. So I'll just say the, the author talks about this story of a man named Christopher Jackson. Um, it, each chapter ends in a letter from him and this is an inmate in a federal prison a real person a real from my understanding a real person because he gets these letters from him um so it starts out kind of telling the story of of christopher jackson so he is an inmate in federal prison um he you know he didn't finish high school he talks about his like addiction to drugs and how and he like got involved in kind of like a string of armed robberies when he was 19 which is what landed him in prison so i think from the age of like i think they i think he said like 14 is when he started doing drugs and it was just snowballed from there Mm -hmm. um so he actually reached out to francis sue which is the author to learn more about math since he said he had always been interested um in it but he was never able to pursue an education due to his like adversity early on in his in his um childhood childhood. and so each chapter ends with a letter from christopher to francis so can i ask a question Mm -hmm. and i don't know if you know this answer Mm -hmm. um but what like the author what are his credentials Ooh, that's a like, wonderful question francis was he a professor he, of mathematics? he is a professor he okay. talks about having students um okay. he is he i mean when i googled him it says he's a mathematician um Ooh. i can just maybe see really quick um He's an American mathematician he joined the Harvey Mudd College faculty in 1996 and is currently a professor of mathematics okay so yeah. maybe that's why christopher yeah. knew to reach out to him i think so okay yeah so he writes these letters to him and um interesting yeah so each chapter breaks down kind of like an element almost kind of similar to how thy elements of teaching book was that i that i um did an episode on a while ago so this has chapter one flourishing then exploration then meaning, play, beauty, permanence, truth, struggle, power, justice, freedom, community, and then love. So all of these human qualities, human almost. qualities. Mm-hmm. And this book, which I really appreciate, talks a lot about virtues as well. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we um, discuss a lot at our school. So I did really appreciate um, like the breakdown of each like aspect of math pretty mm-hmm. much. So I will start with flourishing and I have questions that I wanted to read on page three, four, five, six. So, um, let's see in, the, I'm just going to read kind of from the book, but it says in this present moment, society is always asking what is relationship with mathematic, what its relationship of um, mathematics should be. Is mathematics only a tool to make you quote unquote college and career ready so you can achieve your real aims in life or is mathematics unnecessary for most of us and relevant only to an elite few what value is there in studying math if you'll never use what you're learning tomorrow's jobs may not even use math you learn today so it's kind of like those questions that i feel like people ask um all the time especially in high school in high school and college i'm even thinking of my brother who was like i'm like not specifically to math but just in education in general he's like when will i ever use this i think about or at least I thought prior to being a teacher mm-hmm. in high school, I wasn't like pre-calc. When am I ever going to use this? Yep. Like, when am I ever going to use? And co- I thought the same thing all the time. What were all those cosine? Oh yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Cosine. Um, um, oh, this is not good. We teach second grade math. So that's <laughs> Pythagorean's theorem. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I apologize. It's but also I did. Uh, I'm like, when am I ever gonna use this? Yeah, and and same. And honestly, I I did. I haven't 
I will be transparent. I haven't fully read this book. I'm just doing the chapters that I have read um, because even though I do love math, there was some of this I was kind of like dozing off on Mm -hmm. a little bit just because it was like talking specifically about like the rings of Saturn and stuff like that um, that had to do with math, which was really interesting. But at the same time, I'm like, that's not something that I'm intrigued by. Mm -hmm. So it was harder to to get through some parts but I did for you for pushing yourself I know (laughs) um so he says that learning mathematics means more than just learning facts it means seeing oneself Mm -hmm. as a capable mathematical learner who the confidence and the habits of mind to tackle new problems um who has the confidence and the habits of mind um but Outdated curricula and pedagogies prevent many students from experiencing math as a fascinating area of exploration, Mm -hmm. Um, so culturally relevant and important in all spheres of life. So he's trying to he's trying to bring us into basically like math and it'll say it later on in chapters two is that math is not just about memorizing, which is like I feel like something that we well, and I feel like it's new. I feel like yeah. that realization of math isn't just passive rote memorization mm-hmm. and that it is exploration and conversation. Yeah. And deeper. And that's why ha- I do. a new idea. Yeah. I do appreciate because we use Singapore and it, and we'll talk about like explaining the why is important in math because that's what that that's what fosters that mindset of like well if I'm just need to memorize it like what's the point right um so all of us have the capacity to embrace the wonder power and responsibility of mathematics by um nourishing our affection for it so studies show that parents with math anxiety pass that anxiety Mm. to their children and I don't want to do that and I know I have math anxiety but yeah I will say I am intrigued by people that are so math oriented Mm -hmm. and how they really do love exploring numbers and exploring problems yeah so I and I do want to push myself in that area and I want to pass that to my children but Mm -hmm. it's difficult it is (laughs) it's challenging especially when you've had bad experiences it's hard to not pass those on to your kids um but he says that every single one of us whether we realize it or not is a teacher of math um we all communicate attitudes about mathematics through what we say to others and our words have um effects on others so you can communicate negatively which is like saying i was never any good at math or that subject is for boys or i know right or um (laughs) this quote don't hang out with her she's a nerd uh okay i know right i'm a nerd so same um i'm proud of it too Oh, forever. Yeah. I I mean, I nerd out on certain things more I than love others. But a lifelong learner. So if you're <laughs> telling me that you're not a nerd, don't come at me. Yeah. So like, and then this quote can be negatively, can be negative as well. So it says, son, I'm not a math person and you probably have my genes. Oh. Or why would you take another math class? So... Or you can communicate positively by saying math is an exploratory adventure. You can improve your math skills just like I can improve my free throws. Growth mindset. Yep. Math is power to see hidden patterns. Everyone has promise in mathematics. So, you know, if you are if you are a parent that has math anxieties and you want to make sure you're not passing those on to your children, you need to make sure that you're communicating positively about math and I Mm -hmm. feel like that goes for anything other than just math um so this is where it talks about like the human flourishing so mathematics is for human flourishing um so flourishing refers to like the wholeness of being and doing or of realizing one's potential and helping others to do the same of acting with honor and treating others with dignity of living with integrity even in challenging challenging circumstances so aristotle said that flourishing comes through the exercise of virtue and this is where kind of those Mm. virtues start to come in so the greek concept of virtue is is excellence of character that leads to excellence of conduct for instance traits like courage or wisdom and this is the most important one that we find patience Mm -hmm. are all virtues so um we have our 
what nine virtues nine. at school mm-hmm. and courage and wisdom are one of them and we are gung-ho to add <laughs> patience as one of our virtues we were even yeah. I mean we were on our flight the other day yesterday oh, don't get me started I won't get you started but people there there is a way to deplane you start with the front and everybody files out from the back but there are just people who have no patience and they just decide you know what I'm gonna just get up and cut in front of all these people like shoved into us yes and we were like you like this is not how it works so we are um fans of the virtue of patience for sure indeed and this book book in this book in this book this book our author francis sue quotes that patience is a virtue so our school needs we're, to we're step reaching it out up. to our school i know i'm like <laughs> i'm reaching out to the head office i'm gonna say patience should be added i do th- i won't get on that tangent but <laughs> i do think it's really important to learn patience and it is to be aware of especially in our society yeah in our society of go 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 gratification and satisfaction fast food fast this everything is just on express yeah express so if doing mathematics is like navigating a sailboat then human desires are the winds the power the sails and virtues are the qualities of character that sailing builds so like mindfulness attention and harmony with the wind i thought that was so pretty so pretty um oh there goes my book so the pursuit of math can if grounded in human and desire build aspects of character and habits of mind that will allow you to live a more fully human life and experience the best of what life has to offer you know <laughs> if you had said that quote to me five years ago nice. i would have looked at nope. you and said you are wrong you're crazy but after exploring or having been exposed to math concepts as an adult mm-hmm. um like i said earlier I really struggled with math to the point where it caused great anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, I went to like outside school tutoring. Yeah. um, Would cry every day going into it. It was just, I mean, it's a painful topic for me. Yeah. But as an adult, we had someone in our network come in and and have fun with math. And Mm -hmm. he like did a little exploration. And I know you want to talk a little bit about it later. Yeah. But just for me as an adult to explore the beauty that math can bring yes and it doesn't have to be complex no it really doesn't especially at a younger age and that's where it should be I mean it should always be and I'm about to get into the chapter of exploration Mm -hmm. but it should always be you should be exploring right and it shouldn't be uh this is this this is this and we'll and the author talks about that as well but that should always be exploring an adventure yeah did you feel like your experience with math was explorative explorative? I don't think mine was I had a really good math teacher in high school um that I loved and I think I've stated this before but math always came so Mm -hmm. easily to me so that's why I liked it so much Mm -hmm. um but as I got older and then I had, and I'll talk about this teacher. Oh, I forgot to reach out and I cannot remember my professor's name. Um, but he oh, was yeah. the most amazing math teacher I've ever had that made me look at math so differently. And it was a, it was a math class about teaching math. So it was for my education. That's so nice. It was for my education wow. um, degree, but it was, I mean, and again, I'll talk about that class a little bit later but it was just it made me think of math so differently and it was amazing reach out yeah that person I was gonna reach out to Vince because he'll remember his name but good I saw him not that long ago so the next so that was just flourishing like how math can um flourish as a human make you flourish as a human the next one is exploration so it starts with these kind of questions as in um do you have problems you want to solve oceans you want to navigate literally patterns and the starry spheres of your life that you wish to understand they or they you can be nope i mistyped (laughs) something there um you can be a math explorer since you were born with the human capacities to inquire and to reason so to dream of the sun the moon and the stars and the world that you will discover imaginative creative and unexpected enchantments await 
Ooh, isn't that cool? Ooh. That was actually at the end of the chapter, and it'll kind of talk. It's going to talk about imagination, creation, creative, creativity, creativity. Thank you. I was like, <laughs> creation? No, that's not right. And then um, enchantments, unexpected enchantments. So beautiful exploration and understanding are at the heart of what it means to do mathematics. So that's what we talked about: is like exploring. It shouldn't just be like you're told what, what to, to do, do and how to do it. And understanding. That's why I like Singapore math is because we aim to understand first and then explore and and then explore. Well, I feel like explore and then that leads to understanding. Correct. Um, So exploration is a deep human desire and a mark of human flourishing. Uh, Mathematical exploration begins with questions. So the only requirement to be a math explorer is the the ability to ask questions like why or how or what happens if. So asking questions. So interesting because so many times we push curiosity in science Mm -hmm. and history. Whereas math can absolutely be an area of opportunity for that. It can be. It can bring a lot of curiosities. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why I love these... um, low floor high ceiling activities that we've been doing um i wish i had the name of that book mathematical mindsets right no that's the book on number talks i i don't know oh no i think you're right actually but then the workbook itself Mm. is like a branch off of it yeah we just got these amazing resources for school um and they have these activities that really let the students explore push understanding yeah before anything else so um we'll have to do an episode with carter on that oh for sure she has a lot more i feel like um knowledge on it than i do she took a course and i'm pretty sure she yeah she took a course i think she read this book because i'm pretty sure she was one of the people that that talked about it Mm -hmm. um But yeah, so the ability to ask those questions, all children do it, yet somewhere along the way, some stop asking Mm -hmm. questions. Especially when it gets scary. Yep. And perhaps because they're told to memorize things and not to understand them, Um, which makes sense because when we come to like math facts and things like that, it's Mm -hmm. just like memorize, 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 or like how to do a certain problem. Well, and I keep going on tangents, but Mm -hmm. I mean, this is so applicable because I think about how I learned multiplication. And how we teach multiplication and how yes, different. It's so different. I mean, when I learned multiplication, I did not understand the fact that it was repeated addition. Mm. I didn't. I was just simply told that this is something you have to memorize. Mm-hmm. And I was really good at it and I enjoyed multiplication. Yeah. And I understood it was like skip counting. Mm-hmm. But I never understood. Like we teach them that three times four is three plus three plus three, you know, or like yeah. four plus four, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But we go into the deeper meaning and they get to use manipulatives yes to fully understand what in the world they're doing Mm -hmm. which I think is so important in foundational math it is especially because I mean we do teach younger but even the class that I took in college he I never fully grasped the base 10 system same until college I did not fully ever grasp that the reason why base 10 is the way it is because he had us do our own base five system and it wasn't until that activity where we like explored using different symbols for numbers then after that I remember I like binary I like understood but like I understood it Mm -hmm. and it was great and I just and I remember this because when we did our I did my training for our school um Lauren Grudem, who recommended this book as well, did a talk of uh, for Singapore math, mm-hmm. and she opened it with, if you looked at this number and it was a binary number, mm-hmm. what number would it be? And I was the only one that knew it because I remember. Oh, I remember that day. Yeah. And I looked at you like, what? No, it was <laughs> it was in training. Yeah, wasn't I there for that? It was during PD. Mm-mm. Oh no, it was like my NFO training. Okay, because it was sure like we were in, again. Oh, I I she did do it again, yeah. but. I remember that because I was like that my teacher showed me that because I now understand the concept of base 10 and any you can give me any base number system and I would understand it because that's what my teacher helped with. I can't. So (laughs) (laughs) I'll show you. Thank you. Um, Let's see. Where was I? At every opportunity. Okay. So we were just talking about how like 
memorization leads to not understanding things. Mm -hmm. So at every opportunity that we need to counter the idea that math is memorization and replace it with the idea that math is exploration. Mm -hmm. So a math memorizer doesn't know how to react in unfamiliar situations, whereas a math explorer can flexibly adapt to changing Mm -hmm. conditions because she has learned to, um, to asking questions learned that asking questions will prepare her for many scenarios so Mm -hmm. if you memorize things then you again how can you adapt to because if it's not familiar to what you've memorized then you're like and I think that was a struggle that I saw especially in like upper high school Mm -hmm. yeah because you learn one concept Mm -hmm. you apply it to a test and then when it comes back up yeah and you have to use it again but out of context yeah and like a different way it was so difficult for me to actually apply my knowledge yes so exploration cultivates the virtue of imagination so in order to solve problems you have to ideate or form like a new idea or imagine or conceive new possibilities um so again just to solve like like you said a problem that came up out of Mm -hmm. context then you have to have a good imagination right to come up and solve new new problems new possibilities to solve those problems Um, exploration stimulates the virtue of creativity. So, um, any interesting, well-designed math problem, even a simple one will stretch your creativity. So he, the author says that good teachers know them like good puzzles, books have them, math competitions curate them and math explorers share them. So, um, I'm just thinking of like when we do number talks, even Mm -hmm. we're, letting the students explore different ways of solving just a simple addition problem um but even fun to do those yeah and then i'm thinking also of these like low floor high ceiling activities that we give to the students because they're literally exploring we don't give them any sort of answers or Mm -hmm. anything they just have to explore um how to solve a problem and they all Mm -hmm. come up with their own unique ways of solving them and there's yeah like you said there's no one answer Mm -hmm. there's so many and even as a teacher as I give them out yes they teach me things Mm -hmm. along the way of like yes with that hat the um paper where it was like prove that all of these are a fourth Mm -hmm. it was a square with different shapes inside yeah and I totally I mean it was awesome to see them move around pieces and make them into four equal pieces mm-hmm. it was really that really one interesting. was cool too that one was even hard for me yeah, as an was. adult and we were giving it to our seven and eight year olds mm-hmm. um and so the last one says exploration cultivates an expectation of enchantment so explorers are excited by the thrill of finding the unexpected especially things weird and wonderful so it's why it's why hikes through unfamiliar terrain entice us why unexplored caves beckon to us why the strange creatures of the deep sea ocean floor fascinate us we were just talking about that on vacation we were so he was (laughs) the author was like what else may be lurking down there yeah um there's similar enchantment to be found in the zoo of strange discoveries in math uh one such curious creature is a space filling curve which is a single curve that touches every point inside a square which i've never I can't even visualize that. Oh, he has a picture of it. It's up at the top. (laughs) Interesting. I know. I was like, hmm, interesting. So it is. I mean, it's that enchantment of the unknown. Mm -hmm. I feel like the the wanting to explore because you're curious about it whatever that might be. Yeah, if there's a mathematician out there that's going to design something for us to just to discover more of the ocean Mm -hmm. do it please (laughs) please yes please i'd love to know more and there uh, there are a lot of which i like this book as well because there's like just these problems thrown in there throughout and then at the very very back of the book it gives you like clues and then it also gives you like answers if Hmm. you but a lot of them are things that you can solve different ways so it's always like kind of open to interpretation um so that was exploration the next one is meaning so mathematical ideas grow richer in meaning the more you play with them so each understanding brings a slightly different perspective so that when you look at an idea in just the right way you feel enlightened 
And I don't know why the en- like enlightened always reminds me of the enlightened one mm-hmm. <laughs> when we teach ancient India, <laughs> right? India. That. Yeah. Yes. Um, seeking meaning is a natural expression of living life fully. So why would we settle for less in the way we learn mathematics? I liked the, this kind of visual for me was helpful. So the author says, learn a bunch of separate mathematical facts and it's just a heap of stones to build a house. You have to know how the stones fit together. That's why memorizing times tables is boring because they're a heap of stones, Hmm. but looking for patterns in those tables and understanding why they happen, that's building a house and house builders perform better in mathematics. Data show Um, that the lowest achieving students in math are those who are memorizing strategies and the highest achieving students are those who see math as a set of connected big ideas. So that makes sense to me. I mean, Mm -hmm. you look at a times table and you can sit there and memorize two times three equals six, whatever. Guilty as charged. (laughs) Same. Um, But that's why it's so important to like build that meaning first. So why does two times three equal six? How does it work like that? So different things um, like that and seeking that meaning to understand why. I think the why is the biggest part. Um, So the quest for meaning builds important virtues. So one of the first virtues that it talks about is um, story building, which I was kind of curious because I wouldn't think of that as like a virtue. Mm -hmm. But he explains that story building for millennia, humankind has used story stories to convey right. history or essential truths yeah. so i mean Even back to ancient times of course and um i mean stories are an essential part of retaining new knowledge um it's why we tell history mm, yep Sorry. it's much easier to remember things when they make sense in a story um so the authors state that too often and And he said, too often in my math education, I've been given a concept and asked to do exercises with it, but wasn't taught its significance. Snap, snap, snap. (laughs) So that's that. I mean, that's it. Like, that's what, like, we grew up is just, this is, is you add it it this way, you Mm -hmm. subtract it this way. And it wasn't even until we started doing renaming in second grade when I teach it as to understanding fully why we borrow why we carry mm-hmm. things like that well even from a standpoint of its application in real world mm-hmm. scenarios like it was seldom i think once in middle school we actually applied measurement to the outside world mm-hmm. but i would have much <laughs> preferred to be told why or how i'm going to use this where it's yes going to fall into my life and mm-hmm. i try as a teacher to reiterate that to my children like yes. when we teach money I'm like you're gonna use this yes you are so I mean I think it's so important to explain that mm-hmm. this is why we do it this is how it falls into your real world yes. you know yeah and even I mean before that's uh, before even explaining obviously getting the meaning and the why is important but letting them explore it first without telling them without telling Mm -hmm. them same thing we do for science Mm -hmm. we want them to explore and they want and we want them to come to their own discoveries same thing with math they should be coming to their own kind of discover they should be discovering for themselves why things do well and think about how much more intriguing it is when someone lets you come to a conclusion on your own versus being told fact that'll be a quote (laughs) that i'll say pretty much spot on um so like i said the quest for meaning builds story building the quest for meaning um builds like the virtue of thinking abstractly so people people (laughs) i just had a seizure it's fine (laughs) people often think of abstraction as stripping away meaning whereas abstraction does the opposite it enriches meaning Mm -hmm. um so when you see two things have similar structures or behavior then those similarities create a connection or a new meaning for you that will wasn't there before so like connecting neurons yeah yes Yes. (laughs) um and then it also says the quest for 
meaning builds um, the virtues of persistence and contemplation. So discerning the meaning of an idea takes um, a lot of thought, sustained thought. Um, so persisting. So this is, it's hard work solving a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the hard work of solving a problem when you must sit with a math problem and kind of meditate on it. So thinking through it um, and that's that persistence and I think perseverance too, like not yeah. giving up on it. Can I, um, have you explained that one study on our podcast yet? I feel like I have. I feel like you have too, but I feel like it is applicable here. If okay. You just I'll, briefly. Yeah, I'll just briefly, if I haven't said this or if I have, I'm sorry, but if I haven't, this is pretty, um, something that I use not daily, but so yearly at least, at least every year I, I discuss with my students. So there is a study done. I wish I knew I should probably research it, but this is what I was told by a professor of mine that I adored um, in my bachelor's program. She told us um, there was a study done on American children and Chinese children, and they were given each a toy that didn't work. Um, And so they um, tested to see how long it would take the American children to ask for help and how long it would take the um, Chinese children to ask for help. So they found that the American children on average, actually I'll say the Chinese first, um, they found on average that the Chinese children um, waited about seven minutes with playing with the toy until they asked for help. Mm -hmm. Um, It on average took the children um, from America 30 seconds to ask for help. That number always baffles me I when know. you tell that seven minutes versus 30 seconds that just shows yeah. like how and I mean we were talking about this but like we are just go 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 all the time yeah and society. we're a society of like instant satisfaction like, like I was saying yeah. earlier and fast food and yeah express and I and I see it in myself you know mm-hmm. I want answers and I want things now <laughs> yes so it is it's a hard skill to build which is why we need to practice the virtue of patience Patience. yes definitely so the author says you cannot flourish in mathematics or in life without finding meaning in your endeavors which i think just makes sense for a lot of things i mean yeah we strive for meaning like what's the meaning of life what's the meaning of these things so Mm -hmm. i think that makes sense um and then it kind of ended the the this chapter ended of his preferred definition of mathematics so if you look up the definition of mathematics it says mathematics is the science of patterns science i know science i like that but um it said mathematics is the science of patterns but he liked to say that mathematics is the science of patterns and the art of engaging the meaning of those patterns Mm, which i think science and art yeah i liked both of those so that was what was that uh meaning right so this last (laughs) i already forgot um this last one i'm going to go over for today is play and i found this one obviously very important because even we talk about just play in general is so important for children and i guess like a part of me has always known that play is important, but mm-hmm. I guess I didn't realize until we took the, there was one class in our master's program mm-hmm. that talked about play and kind of focused and centered around play. Do you remember that one? I do remember that one. And I was like, oh. And it makes I sense. I guess I didn't realize how, I mean, they make sense of their social world mm-hmm. through play and their yes. language acquisition through play. and. We we found ourselves in a Barnes and Noble oh, this we week. We did, and we did some damage to our <laughs> bank accounts in there, mostly because we found all of these great books that will eventually be episodes along mm-hmm. the way here. Um, but there was a book on play, and we sat there and kind of contemplated it for a while. And I mean, given every book is. <laughs> You got to look through it first kind of yeah, thing. But of course. I think it would be an interesting topic to speak on one day and maybe bring in somebody who really knows more about play. And That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. So this one is about just play and with math. And um, so just beyond, and this is kind of how the chapter starts, he says, just beyond the first breaths of life, beyond basic needs that must be met, a baby begins to understand her world through play. 
Mm-hmm. So play is a deep human desire and it is a mark of human flourishing. Play is hard to define, but it has several characteristic qualities. Um, so it says if play is an actively engaged or if play is actively engaged in for enjoyment or recreation, then play should be fun, right? That's what we think of play. Play is usually voluntary. Play is meaningful, or obviously we wouldn't engage in it. Play follows some structure, so like rules of a game, the arrangement of musical chords, like the patterns of peekaboo, things Mm -hmm. like that. There are some like structure there's structure to it and even when there's not structure you see in kids establish their own structure exactly and that's always good to see as well Mm -hmm. um play inhibits the freedom within that structure so like the choices of strategies in a Mm -hmm. game or the rhythm of music um the different moves in a rubik's cube things like that play can lead to some sort of surprise Mm -hmm. um and then i liked this part too it says animals play too (laughs) But But what characterizes human play is the enlarged role of the creative mind and the imagination. Um, So when we play, we we have that creative mindset and that imagination to come up with new ways to play or like new rules, new whatever it might be. Um, Mathematics makes the mind its playground, which I liked that. Mm -hmm. So doing mathematics properly is engaging in a kind of play. So having fun with ideas that emerge when you explore patterns and cultivating wonder about how things work. Um, The rituals of play often, or of math play, sorry, often happen in two phases of mathematical exploration. So the first phase is the inquiry phase, when an explorer engages in a pattern exploration and uses inductive reasoning to make general claims from specific instances. Um, These specific things are called conjectures. So the inquiry phase, um, obviously, like, in inquiry right discovering and um, the playful part of it um, in math education it has become fashionable to show students some mathematical object and then to ask them like what do you notice what do you wonder and I've noticed this especially and I keep bringing up our activities that we're doing but we start by showing them something I think we showed them like squares mm-hmm. right and then we ask them like what do you notice about these oh no it was a little like shapes within shapes type paper whatever Mm -hmm. we showed them and you ask them like what do you notice about these so it gets them thinking um such questions invite us to a deeper reflection on what we see so math play uh, i liked this one math play is like a tennis player in a game against a new opponent trying out different shots to see how he responds so like trying something new seeing if it Mm -hmm. works nope that didn't work let's try something different so that's the inquiry phase the second phase of mathematical exploration is the justification phase so when one engages in a deductive reasoning to provide a logical explanation for that conjuncture conjecture sorry um, by providing a proof or mathematical model so i think of that as like higher level math but you can still do it for i mean elementary well and then with those activities that we do it often comes to a conclusion with like can you justify Mm -hmm. that these are halves can you justify that these are quarters can you justify what you saw and especially when we do our number talks too it's how did you get there and can you justify how you got Mm -hmm. that like yes your answer may be right maybe wrong but tell me how you got it well that's the coolest part is like even when it is wrong it's not like um frowned upon Mm -hmm. it's accepted and usually they work their way out of what they did incorrect yes and francis sue in this book says that because he is a professor he takes partial credit if they can just tell like how they got that problem even if the answer is wrong he will take partial credit if they're able to show that they sat with the problem and they tried to solve it so i appreciated that as well that brings up a really good conversation because we with our math tests Mm -hmm. for students and they're seven years old i know that we used to do partial credit Mm -hmm. um on tests and quizzes and stuff and it makes me contemplate like what's the appropriate age to accept 
that because you know at seven like they're doing it with their parents so like do they fully understand or Mm -hmm. maybe do corrections during the school day when they are able to sit down independently and like Mm -hmm. work through it with manipulatives or what have you I would almost I would almost love to give them just partial credit on their quiz like right not even give it not even like corrections but if they on their quiz got it wrong but they were able to show me that they tried to solve it then partial credit for that not like but then they still would correct it I think but that's a conversation we can definitely have I know I feel like that's something we should take to the team just an idea let's do it um okay so those were the kind of two phases so that was the what did I say inquiry phase and then the justification phase Mm -hmm. um another pattern of mathematical play is the way it asks you to change perspective so to look at a problem from different viewpoints so by doing that um looking from different vantage points you will have multiple strategies for finding a solution so that goes back to the math explorer versus the memorizer I mean if you're a math explorer you're coming up with different ways to solve a problem I think he talked about um Um, there was like a problem of um, a truck was trying to get under a uh, what are those called an overpass Mm -hmm. and it was too tall so like how are we going to solve that problem and they ended up getting um, letting air out of the tires so that it lowered (laughs) and then went under and then then pumped air back in the tires my initial reaction was go around go around (laughs) yes and that's my fixed mindset of like you can't change what is yeah but you definitely can yes I liked this um analogy I guess you would call it um he says that math play is like a cook who chooses a good spice for his culinary creation some choices are better than others but many choices will work and they will uh yield a different dish so it depends on what you want I need to change my mindset because math to me is like one answer, but there are so many different ways to come upon that answer. answer. Yeah. I guess I was just taught like, this is the only way. Yeah. Same. I do need to explore more math. Yes. As Um, I become more acquainted with it. (laughs) So he says, quite often we treat mathematics as a thing we just tell people, even though as French philosopher, mathematician, Blaise Pascal blaise sure <laughs> b-l-a-i-s-e but if they're french how would you pronounce that I, uh, madame madame where are you <laughs> um so this is a philosopher mathematician um he says that people are generally better persuaded by the reasons which they have themselves discovered than by those which have come into the mind of others so mm-hmm. like you were saying before right. people are a lot more likely to understand like a A reason a concept whatever that they came to themselves Mm -hmm. than just being told what it is active learning versus passive yes exactly Mm -hmm. so math play builds and develops all these like following things so it says math play builds and develops hopefulness so when you tinker with a problem long enough you are exercising hope that you will eventually solve it so this brought up kind of a memory from my college professor that I keep talking about He started at the beginning of the year. He gave us this problem or semester, I should say. He gave us this problem and I can't tell you like the exact details, but it was essentially like um, one ship every month will leave a a harbor, whatever, from the East Coast, travel around South America and go over to the West Coast. Mm -hmm. Same thing from the West Coast to the East Coast. Once per month. Um, for I think it was like 12 months whatever it might be our goal was to find out how many ships would pass one another on their trip and he just left it at that I so this was not it was like he just told us this at the beginning of the semester said let me know if you find a solution for the whole semester anytime someone thought they came up with an answer they would present it in front of the class how they solved it he'd say great thanks for sharing but never the entire semester never was like that's a definite yes or a definite no he was just like that sounds good to me and it wasn't until a girl came literally brought uh two strings with like cotton balls on them and and visually showed how each cotton ball would pass each other and was like this is how many times it would go um and she gave her answer and then he kind of looked at the class and was like what do you guys think? Like, and we were kind of saying, wow, that sounds good to me. He's like, okay, sounds good to me. Never 
Did he ever give you the answer? Nope, never. Oh, that irks me. I know. That but, irks. But we as a class figured out like that seems like the most logical answer because the way she explained it seemed pretty spot on. So we kind of just said like that's most likely our answer. Most but then, likely though. Yeah. That, yeah. Mm, but it was so, I don't know. To me, that was so cool because it was like we had we had to sit with this problem for a full semester yeah. and just kind of figure out different ways to solve it and he was like yeah sure uh, i see i like that to the point of no de- no definitive answer and that's my instant yeah gratification mm-hmm. in me yeah but i'm like i would want to know at yeah. the end like what it would look like well and that's the thing of like hopefulness it we were hopeful <laughs> that, by <the laughs> that end of, someone would by the end of the semester the we would have had an answer and we kind of like, did because that we came to a conclusion as a class that we feel that that is the answer. What a broad, right? Like, okay, but like where at the United <laughs> States and how I know it's once a month, but is it every, I don't know, second week, third week? Oy. I think it's like the same time every month is gotcha. what it was. I Again, I can't tell you exactly the problem, but that just reminded me because, I mean, we did, we, we, tinkered with this problem for a whole semester so that's i just thought that was cool yeah. but um so math play builds and develops hopefulness it builds and develops curiosity as you explore mm-hmm. um it builds and develops concentration and intensely pre- pleasurable focus that shuns the distractions of daily life so mm-hmm. he does go into like um talking about like social media and you know just being able and even the internet being able to find an instant solution um and how that's kind of hindering our like society mm-hmm. and how we solve problems um and then there is a full chapter on struggle that maybe I'll do eventually but um it says math play builds and develops confidence in struggle mm-hmm. so you know what it's like to struggle because you're used to it and you're you're you welcome it and you realize that if your brain hurts from the struggle that it is a welcome working of the mind so it's like I understand my mind is is hurting but it's because I've been trying to solve this problem and it's Mm -hmm. like it's satisfying I think um it cultivates patience and the discipline of waiting for a solution and possibly (laughs) several years until you see its conclusion so different to those people I know (laughs) um it builds and develops perseverance Mm -hmm. um and then also the ability to change perspectives so to see a problem from many viewpoints as Mm -hmm. well as an openness of spirit that contributes to community so he talks about openness of spirit is also one of the virtues that are that are most easily tarnished when play is corrupted um so like Mm-hmm. When we deny that play, then they're like shut off by it, right. obviously. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if you were going to say something. Sorry. <laughs> well, no. And I just didn't want to get too far off on a tangent. Yeah. But I mean, you see it wreak havoc, you know, when you mm-hmm. take away a child's play. And like we said, the pure fact of being a child, it triggers so many. Just said that weird. So much. <laughs> so much. So, so much. <laughs> If we would just teach math differently, if we, or sorry, we would teach math so differently if we thought of it as a playful sport, not as a performance sport. Retweet. So uh, there is, I think it's in another chapter that'll do a different time, but we put so much pressure on ourselves and our students, ourselves (laughs) and our students for a grade. So he talked about how, um, he gave them his, his students a, I don't know if it was a proof, I can't remember, but it was like a problem, one problem that they had to solve. And he noticed that two students solved it the exact same way. So he Sketchy, are you I know, cheating? He sent out an email to basically be like, I noticed to the whole class, Ooh. not not shouting anybody out, but basically like I noticed that two there, solved a problem there were identically similar whatever. Ten students reached out to him and admitted that they googled it because they were so stressed that they weren't going to be able to solve it and that and then he reflected and said Mm -hmm. I feel like I put the pressure like what did I do wrong in putting enough pressure on them to where they felt like they had to cheat which is a pretty I mean that's pretty big of a professor to to put it on him not on his students I was just gonna say I I really do respect 
him for reflecting on that mm-hmm. and not turning the blame yeah he looked inward and was like what did i do what yes. could i have done better yeah and that i think is something that teachers should be doing daily oh yeah and especially with grades you yeah know? and your class is failing or struggling most of the time it's it's on you yeah and you have to accept you do responsibility for you it do. you do i mean you can have those students who are struggling and that's going to happen no matter what but if you have a class of students that are struggling then mm-hmm. that's that's some serious reflection you have to do and it's not like it's a bad thing either it could have no, been the delivery it, it yeah. could have been so many things you yes. know yeah i think that's what this was Oh, yeah, I wanted to read this little part as well. Um, so we draw ourselves and others to mathematics through the deeply human desire to play. Thus, play should play should play. <laughs> play should play a prominent role in mathematical learning. Everyone can play. Everyone enjoys play. And everyone can have a meaningful experience in mathematical play. So as Plato said, do not then, my friend, keep children to their studies by compulsion, but by play, which I thought was kind of, you know, Plato. We talk about Plato a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, you won't always know the answer, but you will know how to highlight and cultivate the virtues built through math play and will help others find the answers they are looking for. So it's just kind of, I think play is important in just all aspects of education but in math especially like we shouldn't be hounding on our students to solve it this way or however we choose to whatever i'm just thinking mathematics can just be so rigid it can you know and dry and scary and i'm totally speaking from experience Mm -hmm. you know like unfortunately that was the experience that i had and i wish I viewed and I'm starting to view math in a different way especially Mm -hmm. being a teacher but it does it needs to be just as uh, exploitative isn't a word is it exploitative I think is that a word you need to be able to explore just like you do in science Mm -hmm. you know in history yeah it's the same concept storytelling you Mm -hmm. you're you're not just telling stories in history and in science it should be in math it should be in all aspects of education because Mm -hmm. like it said like stories are how we remember right Mm -hmm. you remember a good story or whatever it might be um so yeah math math should be viewed like you said it should be exploration it should be play it should be joyful all that good stuff so that's where i'll pause um there's also like a chapter on like i said beauty and there's a chapter on struggle um struggle went into like growth mindset and fixed mindset which we've talked a lot oh, about <laughs> i could benefit from that yeah so you know let me know if maybe we'll do another um episode of this later on but let's see the other ones that i have not done permanence truth beauty struggle power justice freedom community and love wow it's a lot there's a lot going on in this i think book. truth would be interesting to hear about mm-hmm. and um the fixed versus growth mindset in math yeah. because i know that i did and i pro- and i still do have a fixed mindset in many areas of mathematics so yeah i think i would benefit from hearing that well you all can also tell me what you want to hear yeah reach out on instagram or on the email that we already put in the beginning mm-hmm. and rate review subscribe are you gonna move on without doing a positive no oh my gosh i thought you were about not. to end it i was like taylor brown no, i would never you okay. want to start? Oh gosh, I didn't think of it. Um, <laughs> my positive. I have is... one. I have one. Okay, you go. Honestly, my positive was the potatoes that I had at breakfast oh, yesterday. <laughs> those were so <laughs> good. We went to this restaurant called Elefante in LA. Actually, it was in Santa Monica, more specifically. Shout out to them. Oh my gosh, so um, good. I just about died and went to heaven Mm -hmm. they have these potatoes and they are perfectly cooked with this delicious truffle butter sauce aioli whatever it was that was fantastic incredible the banana bread was fire like everything was so so good so Mm -hmm. that honest to goodness was like (laughs) such a highlight and of course being with Anna and just having time spent with you guys was mm-hmm. amazing. Um, yes, needed. I'll kind of keep needed. my positive on the same track then. Um, the first night we were in 
LA. We stayed oh, in nice. Beverly Hills, which was so cool. Um, but our dinner the first night Holy moly. was amazing because like um, Anna's husband works at this hotel and they treat treated us like royalty it was amazing they brought us all these foods that we didn't order they brought us the most amazing desserts so it was kind of nice to feel like a little um yeah like like a celebrity and the food was outstanding yeah i told matt that was probably one of the best meals yeah by far so if you're in uh, the beverly hills area it's called the terrace can i name it i think so okay you're not there anymore yeah (laughs) it's called the terrace and it was honestly so so good one yeah. of the best meals I've it's had. the restaurant at the mayborn hotel in beverly hills so yeah. if you ever want to splurge and have a fancy fancy dinner go, go there, there. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> all right folks cool. so we'll see you next week with another episode yeah thanks for listening y'all until then have a wonderful week Bye.